Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and here we are, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And is the media the enemy of the people? Well, I think the answer to that varies, depends on who you ask. If you ask me, I'd say right now there's an element within the media that leans to the left that very well may be the enemy of the people. Now, you know, there's an old play, well, it's actually an old novel by... C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, and he wrote this novel and he dedicated it to um, Tolkien. And it turned into a play. And I remember watching the play and in the monologue, the opening monologue, the main character uh, goes, you know, the screw tape letters is what I'm talking about. And in the screw tape letters, in that opening monologue, he has this diatribe that he goes on and he says all of these vile things and who he's talking about, at least how I surmised it, was the British media at the time. Of course, later he makes a jump and he actually kind of makes it akin to the devil and his minions. But the point is, the media has been the central focus of so many people's ire, including these novels and and others that, you know, and philosophers that d- date back a long time. So just like Screwtape hated the British media, I think there's so many of us that hate that leftist element within the corporate media in our country. And yesterday morning, interestingly, I uh, turned on the TV and I was looking for, you know, I usually watch New York One to catch the local news and I I jump around a little bit. I watch Good Day New York, but I wanted to see what was going on on CNN. And it's usually I just see what the big headline is and keep it moving. But the big headline yesterday was criminal probe into Trump org. And so I said, you know, let me listen to this. And it was story after story with host after host. And these are some of the most vile people. And maybe that's just a role that they play. But I was thinking to myself, man, if you're looking to get a news update and watching CNN New Day in the morning, good luck. Unless you read that scrolling print that goes across the bottom. And even that's editorialized. This stuff is heavy duty and it's really not that good. The whole thing was one person after another, a cavalcade of people saying how terrible, how evil, how guilty Donald Trump is. He's done everything wrong. You name it, he's guilty of it. So in this one, I had not really ever watched this show. It's a woman named Brianna Keeler and a co-host, John Berman. I've heard audio clips of them and seen some videos on Twitter and whatnot, but I've never watched a show. And I'm sitting there watching this thing and I'm just beside myself with... The way that people on the left actually attack the opinion hosts on Fox News like Hannity and others, and I think to myself, you really cannot make a distinction. Now, listen, I've known this for some time, 
But I mean, it's nearly impossible to to discern between a journalist and an opinion host or a television presenter. Now, this woman, she's Australian and uh, she has a, I'm going to label it as an annoying voice. Her noise was, her noise, (laughs) her voice was very annoying, like noise. But she, um, she constantly at every opportunity took a shot at Trump, no matter what it was. Whether the, the story was, you know, right now they're funding the president uh, of the former uh, president, number 45, the office of the 45th president with, I don't know, a million or a million and a half dollars. And, you know, again, they want to take shots at Trump. They're saying, you know, other people do this. They rent out space. They pay their bills. It's part of like the transition out of office. Trump decided he's got his own office space. He just wanted to use that for salaries for his staff. And he's got about 10 close aides that he keeps close to him. And this was a problem for them. They felt it very problematic that Trump was using this money that is scheduled to um, dissipate in July. That's the end of his um, post-presidency transition. And that's when this allowance ends. And I'm thinking, I don't think Trump is broke. But she went on the, uh, off the deep end here saying, I don't think Trump's going to want to pay these salaries out of pocket. And in my head, I'm thinking, who's saying that these people have to remain in these jobs in perpetuity? When you have a transition team, these things are to ensure a transition. So I don't know why they're thinking and even asking the question, uh, is Trump going to hold on to these 10 people following the transition? Why on earth would he? I mean, it makes no sense that somebody would do such a thing, right? I mean, just like when you when you run for president and you win, you're the president-elect. So you have your presidential uh, transition team. Some of them may come in as cabinet members. Others may join the administration in other positions. And then the rest of them go on about their lives. Maybe they get appointed to a board or commission, but the transition's over. So Trump's post-presidency transition back into civilian life ends in July. Why on earth they would be so presumptuous as to even assume this? But Brianna Keller says, or Keeler, I'm not sure how uh, it's appropriately pronounced. She says, well, if we look at Trump's record of paying vendors, I'm going to guess that he doesn't want to pay. And I'm thinking... I mean, it's okay if you want to be tongue in cheek and snide and kind of silly and funny, but I don't think that wasn't what I expected from a morning show host on CNN. It really wasn't. I would expect that more on a primetime show, maybe Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, and maybe, you know, my mistake for thinking that she might have an ounce of journalism in her, probably my fault, shame on me for thinking there's an honest journalistic bone in any of the people at CNN, but I was wrong. And then she went on, she continued with, uh, her barrage and bringing on the next guest that would sit there and attack Trump and attack Trump. Now, mind you, not a single charge has been filed against Trump, but all they want to do is make it bigger than it is. Now, you've probably heard from the great one, Mark Levin or others that, you know, typically these investigations don't just happen to leak into the public. These investigative journalists are not that intrepid where they can get inside of the DOJ or the FBI or the Southern District of New York, or in this case, uh, the um, New York County DA's office and the state attorney general, Letitia James. But it did. It became public information. So before anybody else knew, including Trump himself and his attorneys, it comes out on the news that overnight it was leaked to CNN and probably others, the New York Times, I would presume that what was a civil probe into the Trump organization has now become a criminal probe. Dun, dun, dun. But what's interesting is this isn't usually the case, right? Well, usually when you hear the Department of Justice or, or any law enforcement agency announce that they're you know doing a criminal investigation, 
typically it's on the back end, right? They're saying, you know, we conducted a criminal investigation and here's what we found. We found individual A, individual B, and individual C to be guilty of whatever on this evidence. And we've indicted them on this charge, that charge, and the other charge. Yet with Trump, none of that's happened. There's not a single charge. Now, of course, the media will say not a single charge yet. But I would say, what's what's the point of publicizing all the speculation? Well, of course, we all know it's to smear Trump. They're going after his chief financial officer and his dealings with his grandchildren and private schools and trying to shake him up to the point where, you know, he'll he'll break in some way so he can say, oh, yeah, what do you want? I'll say I'll say whatever you want me to say. Trump did it. He's guilty of sin. So they can say Trump was charged. And these charges even aren't against Trump. Again, it's going to be one of those things where people that work for the company that he owns are going to try and nail these people to the cross and try and make some sort of case saying that this guy was conspiring to commit some sort of fraud. And I think on their best day, in the best case scenario, they're going to try and label uh, the former president, Donald Trump, as an unindicted co-conspirator, which they will try to use in perpetuity for the rest of history to try and smear him and tarnish him and minimize him. I hope that they're not successful. But again, these people are very clever. They're very, very... um, dirty in the way they do their trickery. But I want you to hear what Brianna Keeler had to say with her guest. She had a congresswoman on, congresswoman who was um, part of the impeachment uh, commission, or excuse me, the impeachment managers uh, in the House for the second impeachment, Representative Madeline Dean, a Democrat from Pennsylvania. And she says she thinks the walls are finally closing in on the Trump organization. Check this out. What's your reaction learning now that the New York Attorney General is joining the Manhattan DA in a, a criminal uh, investigation of the Trump Organization? It's not surprising to me. Uh, I think the walls are finally closing in on the truth about the Trump Organization and what has happened. You saw that we in Congress tried to exercise our oversight responsibility into uh, Trump finances, tax returns, uh, appraisals of properties and those kinds of things. Uh, and uh, the Trump administration thwarted us at every turn. Uh, we're going to see now through the use of uh, the DA uh, and the attorney general in New York. Uh, I commend them and I hope they get to the truth. They want to get to the truth. How about you start with the truth? You know, it's funny that back in the Mueller days, and I know you guys have great memories, but for anybody whose memory may be faltering, there was a whole like week and a half or, or even two weeks, maybe even, you know, a better part of a month where that was literally every single critic of Trump's, what they said, the walls are closing in, the walls are closing. It seems like the walls are closing in on Trump. Trump's walls are closing in. I mean, and they just went with this unified uh, soundbite across every liberal channel because the walls were closing in. Now, of course, we know Trump was exonerated. They don't like to use that word. They'll say, oh, he was never exonerated. He just wasn't charged. Whatever, dude. He wasn't handcuffed. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't charged with any crime. Mueller himself said, blah, 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 no crime, no crime, no crime. But I don't like him for this. I don't like him for that. Blah, 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 blah. But again, no illegality. That's what happened with Mueller. And again, the walls were closing in. The walls were closing in. So now they're trying to do the same thing. And why? Ask yourself this. Why on earth would we want to soften somebody in the media? Well, because he's still strong. It's because they kicked him off Twitter and people are still following him, right? Because he's releasing these short press releases that he puts on 45office.com, the office of the 45th president, and they get wide exposure. 
He says things that are bombastic. He says things that are inflammatory. And they say, you know what? I'm printing that. And there are screenshots all over social media. People that aren't Trump go out and, and, and tweet what Trump just said. Trump still has the gravitas. Two episodes ago, uh, we uh, we did a, a, a show called um, Rockets, I forget what, and the Republicans, right? And in that show, we talked about 80%, and this is CBS News poll, 80% of Republicans said they still support President Trump. This is scary for the Democrats because it's not like Republicans got smaller. Democrats got smaller, even though they claim they got these 81,000 votes, 81 million votes, whatever, and what have you. That's fine. Even amongst their strongest bases, blacks and Latinos, they got less votes in the last election, 2020. And in those same demographics, blacks and Latinos, Republicans got more voters than they had in the previous election. So when you're seeing growth amongst minorities, it, it, it should be scary to the Democrats. They really should say, wow, how is it that, you know, we hate this guy so much, yet other people seem to like him. He's out of office. We've blamed this quote unquote insurrection, which was, again, a very a horrible riot that went wrong in so many ways. But an insurrection, likely not. But again, if you want to call it one, fine. But you've got to be fair and call all the other attacks on federal buildings insurrections. This is the point. You can't, you know, uh, what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. And if it's not, then you've got to check yourself and say, are we being honest? Are we being fair? Are we using logic? Anyway, so back to the question, is the media the enemy of the people? I say in this situation, absolutely yes. And why are they going after Trump? Well, it's clear. Trump is the uh, still the presumed 2024 front runner for the Republican nomination for president. Don't know if he's going to run or not. He's hinted strongly that he will. I don't know if he wants to do that with his life again. You know, who'd want to subject themselves to this stuff? But I think he wants to remain active as a leader in the party. And clearly, he is the de facto leader of the party. If it wasn't for negotiations that he made with the Republican Party, there wouldn't even be a Republican Party. Because in many ways, I'd say it was dead and it's Trump that resuscitated it. He's the one that's breathing new life into it. People are donating and giving. The GOP just had, uh, just today, the House, um, House Republicans, Congressional Republicans, I forget what they call it, the um, Republican uh, Campaign Committee for the House, McCarthy's people, they have raised boatloads of money for 2022 because people are poised. Now, of course, you got a few squeaky wheels that always want the oil, and these guys are going to say, Oh, you know what? I need, I need, I need to give up because I'll never win another election again. Republicans will never get elected again. We'll never have a fair election again. And I say, stop, stop, stop. You're whining. Stop. You're complaining. People are raising money. Trump is out there. He's in full effect. They're continuing to smear him. They want to make him into a criminal. They want to keep him out of office. They're trying to do this commission. Ah, this commission thing. Let's get into that. Why don't we pause right here and uh, take this quick break and then come right back and get into this January 6th commission and what the deal is with that. So keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. We are just getting started. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. Bienvenido. Welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And I want to thank you guys. Without you guys, this 
podcast, this message, the stuff that we're talking about, this national conversation that we're having with our friends from Lexit out in Los Angeles to our peeps in Houston, to the peeps in Miami, to people all across America. And it's, it's an honor to meet so many of you as I am going to multiple cities this summer. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, go to the contact us section of richvaldez.com, richvaldez with an S.com, or just get at me on social media at richvaldez. And I do want to meet you we have a Miami stop coming up, a Houston stop coming up, and a Los Angeles stop coming up. So I want to meet with all of you guys before the end of this summer. But we were talking about this commission, this 9-11 styled commission to get to the bottom of things. Now, what's interesting is you can make the case, and I think most fair minds would say, look, if we had a 9-11 commission when we had a terrorist attack that killed you know, more people than anything since Pearl Harbor, then it's only fair to do it if, if something like that happens again. Now, January 6th was not a terrorist attack. If, if nothing else, it was a bunch of riotous people that were very frustrated that broke into the United States Capitol. And, you know, they got into some fights with the cops and there was things and that shouldn't have happened and they're, they're in jail. They're being treated like, you know, the worst criminals ever. Some of them in 23-hour lockdown for the last four or five months. Watching CNN yesterday, as I shared with you, one of the lawyers uh, for the QAnon shaman, as he's known, I forget his name, but the guy with the furry hat with the horns, like a big Viking hat and tattoos all over and red, white, and blue face paint on. Real nut job, this guy. Uh, the, the lawyer in court, and this isn't what I wanted to talk about, but this is what he gets into. He goes and says that, you know, Your Honor, these guys are the effing kids that rode the effing little school bus. They're effing, I'm going to use the word he used, retards, which not my words, those are his. That's a quote from that lawyer. Um, uh, attorney Watkins. And he came under fire. The uh, I think it was the Association for Retarded Children said that he shouldn't be, uh, you know, abusing this type of language in a derogatory way because, it, you know, it's obviously an affliction that affects so many children, a mental illness and an intellectual disability. And he uh, was also blasted by the judge who said, you know what, this is hardly an excuse for anybody's behavior for you to say that this is, you know, what caused them to behave the way they did. But that's just an aside. The point was he was also on this show and they were beating him up. And th they're making this case and he's explaining how these people are in lockdown 23 hours a day. You know, now um, they, it, at one point it was 24 hours a day. They only had one hour where they get out of their solitary confinement. Now they've got two hours a day. And some of them are starting to be released because of attorneys that are fighting for them. But the point is they're being treated like they were the 9-11 hijackers. I mean, the next step would be to put them in Gitmo. And these are people that, again, broke windows, um, went inside, they stole a laptop from uh, the Speaker Pelosi's office and whatnot. And I don't think they even got that person yet. Uh, they're, they're still trying to get that person. But my point is, they're locking them up and they're throwing away the key. So this, I think, is a very unfortunate and a very bad thing, but it doesn't really compare to 9-11. Now, the creation of this commission is questionable. You know, I'm not going to say there's absolutely no reason for it. I think there's, I think, you know, if you're a legislator and you have constituents that are demanding that you get to the bottom of things, then you got to get to the bottom of things. If getting to the bottom of things means that we're doing this with the sole purpose of publicly indicting Donald Trump, then I think that's wrong because now it's perfunctory, right? It's a witch hunt. It's where it is a commission in search of a crime because we already have the criminal. That you know that they're framing Trump to be the criminal in this in this situation in this case. So this is one of those things where it's like ah, I don't know. You know, if you want to be fair about it, be fair. But if you're not going to be fair, I'm not playing. 
And I think that's what a lot of Republicans said. They said, you know what, we're not doing it. But there were 35 Republicans that said, you know what, we're jumping on with this thing. We're going whole hog into this thing because we think this should happen. Now, many of these guys, uh, at least a dozen of them, also voted to impeach President Trump. So these are kind of never Trumpers. Uh, And again, that's fine. I, I don't believe that we should hate everybody that doesn't like Trump. I, I don't believe that. I just don't. I, I think that there's room for disagreement. I don't believe you're a traitor if you don't agree with me. I don't believe Lynn Cheney is a traitor. I believe I disagree with her, and I think she was wrong to be in the leadership of the Republican Party and vote against a Republican president, especially against the rest of the leadership. I think it showed disunity, and she should have resigned her position and then voted her conscience as a Republican, as a representative of the House of Representatives for, for Wyoming. She has every right to dissent. And it's okay that we disagree. I don't think it's okay that you're part of the leadership when you do that. And that was my issue with her. And I think that's fair. Uh, so in much the same way, I see all these things on social media, people are, oh, they're traitors. I don't believe they're traitors. I don't think they're betraying their country. I think they're a-holes. I think they're stupid. And, and that's fine. You, you have the right to be a stupid a-hole. Heck, half of America voted for Biden. So, you know, or a little less than half, whatever it's going to be. People have that right and they exercise it. That's part of what America's about. It's a free market of ideas and we have to be competitive and may the best idea win. Got it. Granted. But the Democrats, the Democrats are now saying that if, you know, if we don't have another commission, it's going to happen again. And if, if, if you try to stop this commission from happening, well, then you're just adding to all of the insult and injury and the worst insurrection this country's ever seen. And I think this stuff is beyond hyperbolic. It's to the point of it being silly. But I want you to listen to, let's see who I got here. Representative Steve Cohen, you know this guy, this is the guy that was eating the fried chicken from the on the House floor. This guy's disgusting. He looks like the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. No kidding. Google him. You'll know what I'm talking about. And he says, if we don't have a January 6th commission, this will happen again. Now, to that, I say BS, bravo, Sierra. I think that's a bold-faced lie. But listen to Representative Steve Cohen. Check this out. There's hardly anything this Congress can do that will be more important than having a bipartisan commission to look at the insurrection that occurred in this Capitol on January the 6th. There was an attempt to overturn our Constitution, to displace the Electoral College and the peaceful transition of power that makes our country unique and special among the countries of the world. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. This wouldn't have happened, but for the president at the time telling people to come to Washington on January 6th, no other date but the date of the Electoral College, to fight like hell or you won't have a government anymore, and telling him he would walk with them to the Capitol and told them where to go. This cannot happen again. If we don't have this commission and reveal the truth, it will happen again. So he's saying that if we ever have a president that tells the citizenry 
to come to the nation's capital, to coalesce with me. And if you don't like what your government is doing, then make your voices patriotically and peacefully heard and march down to the Capitol in a peaceful demonstration. He's saying that we need to quash dissent. That if you don't like someone's opinion, then we have to call them an insurrectionist and make them illegal. Make their voice illegal. Something that we can't hear. Come on, man. That's not how this works. I mean, imagine if I were to say, you know, I don't like the Green New Deal. I don't like AOC and the, the crazy radical uh, communistic and and uh, idiotic things that she says. And for that reason, I think she should be jailed. Are you kidding me? I would never say such a thing. Just because people uh, espouse ideas that are stupid doesn't mean we should put them in jail. Now, if these ideas are like, I want to overthrow the United States or, you know, we were looking for an Islamic jihad and we're going to, you know, run a caliphate on the United States of America, then these are not just ideas that are hurtful, but they're against our laws and we have to take action. And that's where these guys are trying to take this. They're trying to say that, you know, being peaceful and patriotic and having a march and letting Congress know, hey, look, there's a million people outside your door. And you need to get right because we're watching and we are holding you accountable. We, the people, are the ones that vote for you. We, the people, are the people that put you in office. And we want you to know we don't like this. That's our president. That's who we voted for. And they want to take that right away from anybody. Joe Biden has that right. And I I I would fight to defend that right. If Joe Biden told all his voters, all 81 million, and let's say only five showed up because of social distancing, and they want to get together, and whether it's in the ellipse of the White House or right there on the street, heading to the Capitol, God bless them. Let them do what they got to do. These people, and when I say these people, I mean the Democrats, the left, what have you, they've been gathering and having parades and marches and riots and all sorts of things for the last year. So we're going to sit here and say that when Republicans do what they can't do it, Steve Cohen, this fried chicken eating uh, crip keeper of a man is so beyond the pale here. He's so dead wrong on this because if if you don't like what people say, then prove them wrong, argue with them, beat them at their own game. Or like his hero, Saul Alinsky says, make them live up to their own book of rules. I'm willing to live up to my own book of rules. I'm willing to have people that disagree with me and I'm willing to debate them and have this debate in the marketplace of ideas and may the best idea win. No cheating. I don't need the media to influence people. I don't need to uh, suppress people's votes. I don't need to have a series of uh, what many would say are unconstitutional lawsuits to change the way ballots are counted, to change dates so that pe- more and more ballots by way of mail can be counted because we all know the people showing up to vote outnumbered the people that were mailing in their votes because they hyped up this stupid pandemic. I mean, from soup to nuts, you can poke so many holes in this thing, but it happened and we can't turn back the hands of time, but we can make sure these things don't happen again. So when Steve Cohen and all of his colleagues say that, you know what, they're doing this because they don't want to they don't want to face up to this. No, 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 listen, this will happen again. Whether they have a commission, 10 commissions or no commission. If people get frustrated and fed up with their government, they're going to be in the face of the government. This is a country where people did this. They tarred and feathered their mayors. And, and thank God we don't do that today. But I, I would not be grossly um, opposed to people forcefully, and I don't mean violently, but I mean forcefully, you know, raise your voice, show up within the confines of the law and make your voice heard. Run against these people. 
I mean, this is about sacrifice. Winning and beating the left is about sacrifice. They sacrifice in so many ways that we don't realize. You realize there are people on the left. Look at AOC. Notice she doesn't have children. I, I bring this up because I think she's a perfect example. Early on in her tenure as a congresswoman, she said, should we even be having children anymore? And we talked about this two or three episodes ago where we talked about divorce and having children and stuff like that. And AOC was, uh, uh, I guess, likening the fact that should we have children, that question with climate change and saying, if the world's going to end in 10 years, why on earth should we be having children? Now, that's the demagoguery that she chooses to pursue. She wants to scare the crap out of people and say, listen, don't have kids because we have to fight this climate war. Now, that's, that's her prerogative. But I will say she has sacrificed motherhood. And I can tell you, being a fellow Latino, she's a Latina, uh, we come from big families, typically. Typically, we come from big families. I know I think she has some siblings or at least a sibling. And we like big families. Big family is something we do. We like music. We like to have fun. So my point is she's sacrificing that part of her heritage, of her cultural identity, so that she can dedicate herself to this cause. So when someone tells me, but what do we do, Rich? What can I do? And they start saying, oh, but I got kids. I've got this. I've got that. I think, but AOC is willing to not even have kids to beat you. AOC is willing to convince other people to not have kids so that she can brainwash your kids. So what is it that we are willing to sacrifice? That is the question we all have to ask ourselves. And I'm not calling anybody to become some sort of radical here. I mean, if you want to be radical, be a radical within the confines of the law. But we do have to ask, what are we willing to do? Because whatever Steve Cohen says, whatever the Democrats say, people will do this again because people aren't stupid. Speaking of people not being stupid and making your voices heard, there is this audio that I want you to hear of a very young man speaking up and just dropping fact after fact after fact. And I thought it was remarkable. You've probably seen it on TV, but it was worth, uh, I think, me um, giving him some kudos as well. So keep it locked right there. Don't move a muscle. We're not done just yet. I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we'll be right back. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, I'm still here. Thanks for sticking with me. This is the final stretch. And again, nothing but appreciation for you, this amazing audience. We do face some suppression on Twitter and even not suppression on Parler, but Parler's technical issues are limiting our reach. So for each and every one of you that is taking the time to copy and paste the link from your podcast player and send it to your friends and your lists or inbox it to people not through your social media and sending it to five or 10 friends. That stuff is making an impact because while I know that Parler is, was down for a while and whatnot, we have not seen a dip in the, the numbers of the podcast. It's actually growing and it's because of people like you. And I get the notes from people saying, hey, look, I've done this and I've done that. I've shared it with so-and-so. Uh, there's a few of you that are like 18, 19 years old. God bless you and thank you for listening and having your friends listen into. So I'm very thankful for that and I do appreciate it. And speaking of young people, there's this kid and he's 10 years old. Now I saw this on social media. He was giving a presentation. I guess he got a couple of minutes to speak at a local school board meeting. And he was at the Martin County School District board meeting last week. He got 
a huge um, spotlight shined upon him when he was on Tucker Carlson with his dad. But I want you to hear the reason why he was on the Fox News channel and why he's been getting all this media attention is because he said some remarkable things that were just so filled with common sense that you'd think, man, it's like the old saying, from the mouth uh, from the mouths of babes, we will hear the truth. And we did. So I want you to listen to this little guy. Cut 19. Check this out. I love my school and all, but my teachers seem really stressed, and that makes me feel bad. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our mask down to drink water while we are outside in Carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. This happens a lot. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while they're yell while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. Wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches. Sometimes I'm in school and I need to lay low in the until they're gone. My mask also sticks to my face when it's really hot and it makes it hard to breathe. I feel like I can't catch my breath and that makes me feel claustrophobic and anxious. It's really stressful. It's really stressful. Uh, the kid is a cute kid. He's well-spoken. He's very smart. This went on. He, he gave a, a, a serious soliloquy at this meeting, and he raises some excellent questions. Why is it that the kids are being forced to do certain things and the adults are not? And we talked about this in the last episode, and I love to refer back, and that's why I always tell you guys, please catch up on the last two, three, maybe even four or five episodes. Uh, these are short 10, 15 minute segments, three in a row. We do 35 to 45 minutes. Sometimes I get a little long winded and we hit that 50 minute mark, but that's rare. We try to keep it between 35 and 45 minutes. And we talked about the, the one girl who was, you know, at basketball practice and passed out, woke up in an ambulance. Thank God she was revived. But this kid, what he's saying is true. What 10 year old kid should have to deal with stress and anxiety and and the potential to experience a hypoxic episode because he can't breathe because he's wearing a mask. No kid should have to deal with that. But the bigger question is, why is it that this little kid has more sense at 10 years old than most adults around him? People that are like, my body, my choice. And then they're like, no, 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 but everybody got to wear a mask. Now, this is stuff you've heard. I'm preaching to the choir. But it really, to me, is, is remarkable that now even children are realizing it because those that are doing it for the sake of trying to coalesce people like, no, no, you got to become a masker like me because this, you know, we'll stick together and we'll vote for, you know, for this. And, you know, it's like a, you know, we're going to be for Palestine. We're going to be for vaccines. We're going to be for masks. We're going to be for closures. We support the Green New Deal. We support universal basic income. You create this voting block of people because they all agree in the same thing. But I think it's going to blow up in their face where this kid may potentially have been one of uh, their potential future voters. And now he's saying, you know what? Enough is enough. I don't want to wear this mask. I want to have fun. I want to be able to see people. I want people to see me. I want to date a girl one day. Can't do that with this thing on my face. And I think he's right. And he's, he's brilliant for having done what he did. And God bless him and his parents for speaking the truth and having the courage to speak the truth. This kid realized I'm going to make a, a bold statement and this comes with sacrifice. 
There are teachers that are not going to like him. He may pay the price with a grade or two. Who knows? But he was willing to take that risk at 10 years old, and I'm glad he had the support of his parents and the wisdom to do it. So God bless him. But speaking of the same thing, you've got, he's 10 years old. Add 70 some odd years onto that, and you get Nancy Pelosi, Nancy La Bruja Pelosi, who is vaccinated. I think everybody in Congress is vaccinated because they got first dibs on everybody. And uh, there's a couple that may not have gotten vaccinated because they uh, they got COVID and they have the antibodies, got tested and said, I have, still have the antibodies. I'm not getting the test, whatever it was. But for the most part, everybody in Congress got vaccinated. That's why we saw AOC all out crazy, our least favorite Congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. We saw her getting her vaccine before old people in her district could get it, before cops could get it, before firefighters could get it. And she was saying, well, I was doing it to set an example. Bull, no way. She was just doing it because she wanted to flex her privilege, her congressional privilege that she could get it first. But all that being said, Nancy Labruja Pelosi, the arch nemesis of AOC, uh, she went to town yelling at members of Congress, uh, or at least really kind of uh, berating them, chastising them, saying, you know what, listen, at the recommendation of the House physician, who works for her, she's the speaker, everybody has to have their mask on, even though all these people are vaccinated. The oddest thing, but check this out. The chair wishes to remind all members about certain standards of decorum in the hall of the House. Members are reminded that the announced policies of January 4, 2021, as updated on May 11th, remain in effect with respect to the wearing of masks. The chair will reiterate that members and staff are currently required to wear masks at all times in the hall of the House, except when a member has been recognized by the chair or when a member acting as chair is speaking. The chair reminds members that the House is following the guidance of the attending physician who has stated that the present mask requirements and other guidelines remain unchanged in the hall of the House until all members and, and the floor staff are fully vacu- vaccinated. That is the, advice, the advisory of the uh, attending physician. Ay, Dios mio, come on, Nancy Labruja Pelosi. Even you have to have a little more sense when you're talking about decorum. This doesn't violate the decorum of the House to not wear a mask when the president of the United States has said that uh, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. I guess the the guideline is you don't have to wear it outside if you've been vaccinated uh, and and many places inside are relaxing their stuff. But it's it's federal property. And I mean, you guys can come to an agreement on this. It's a huge place. They're socially distanced, but whatever. You know, I just I think this is just her. Because she can, because she's got the power, because she's got the gavel, because she is the speaker, she wants to flex on these people. She wants to remind everybody that she's got the power until she doesn't want it anymore and she, you know, fades into the sunlight. And we don't know what she's going to do. I mean, I don't think she's going to hold on to power that much longer. I really don't. I think that GOP raising the money that they have is indicative of people's support. People are willing to put their money where their mouth is. So that means there's going to be some GOP support. What has Congress done with a Democrat majority? Can they say, we've done an amazing job at the border. There's 2 million less illegal aliens that are in the country that are putting less of a strain. Oh, wait. Oh, no. eh, Wrong. You can't. They can say, no, we have 2 million more people that we're going to have by the end of the year. We've done a horrible job at the border. Young women are being raped down there. 
when AOC is saying that you can't profile gangbangers. So everybody's getting in, nobody's getting arrested, nobody's getting profiled, nobody's getting uh, vetted. That's just the border. Then you've got gasoline. Oh, Biden, you've done such a great job with gasoline. Man, filled up my car the other day. It cost me an extra $20. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, the only people that are benefiting are people that, you know, are saying, you know what, this enhanced unemployment and whatnot, or the PPP loan or whatever type of free money's going out there. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not mad at them. I, I understand. Look, I don't want necessarily want the free money, but if I can get the free money, I'm going to get the free money. I get it. Uh, you know, it's like, like I said, uh, one of the, um, the, um, not one of the owner of, uh, WABC was on the radio and he said, he's a billionaire. And he says, you know what? I got a stimulus check. And he couldn't believe that he got one. And he was like, I didn't need it, but you know, all right, I got it. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's funny. And he wasn't the first person. I had another guy that told me he's a multimillionaire. He owns several businesses and that he uh, not only got one for him, he got one for him, his wife, and each of his children. 1400 bucks or something like that. And I think to myself, wow, you know, that guy's probably not going to vote for Biden because he didn't need it. But there's a lot of people out there that might vote for Biden because of the free money. But I don't think that's enough. It's not going to get him over the top. People had Andrew Yang, the opportunity to vote for Andrew Yang, and they rejected it. People had the opportunity to make Kamala Harris the Democrat nominee, and they rejected it. They went with Biden on whatever shady deal they made. And it's, again, very questionable, very arguable for a lot of people you know, how he got over the top. And I think most of us know how exactly how that was done. And we talked about these wacky lawsuits and the um, ignoring of constitutional law in so many situations. But I don't believe that's something we can do forever, that you can't do that in perpetuity. Other, you know, States like Georgia have strengthened it. Pennsylvania just strengthened their laws where this stuff isn't going to happen again. The legislatures have stepped up. So when you have Nancy LaBruja Pelosi screaming about masks, and Steve Cohen putting his bucket of chicken aside to say we need this commission and, and all of these other things that we're looking at, to me, it all comes down to one thing. We the people, we the people are rising up. We the people are speaking out. It doesn't matter what Brianna Keeler has to say or the other guy, Mr. Berman, or the uh, congresswoman saying, oh, Trump's guilty of this and guilty of that. I think all of it becomes insignificant because people are realizing you're blowing hot air. You've got nothing to lean on. You're still going after Trump, and you yet you have the White House. You haven't done a thing for the economy. Things are not going better. Stocks are not flying through the roof. And they've had a couple of good days, but it's not great. Bitcoin's not up. It's down. Dogecoin is, while it overall it's up, it's down. I don't think people are going to look at the Democrats and say, man, you guys have really just shown us the best leadership we've seen. I mean, they're going to try and make it sound like they put an end to the coronavirus and that's why, and now we're going to have brighter days ahead and that's why you got to vote for us. We've got, we had to get past this Trump thing and that may work. It may fool enough people, but it can't fool everybody. And there's an old saying, BS can get you to the top, but it can't keep you there. And there's another old saying that you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. And that's the one I believe in. I do believe that while these guys are there running their mouths, we can do the same thing and start pushing the truth. There was this um, Heartland survey that came out yesterday, the day before, and it talked about viewers of conservative talk radio and listeners uh, or viewers of, um, of uh, conservative uh, programming like Fox answered more questions in this survey correctly than 
liberal viewers who watch, you know, NPR, CNN, that type of listener. And what I find interesting is, I mean, obviously I know this to be true, but now they know it to be true. The stuff we're talking about is factual. The stuff we're talking about is logical. We have gotten to the bottom line. We are dealing with facts and people don't like to deal with facts. They like to deal in emotion. At least the left does. This is where it's our job to disassociate ourselves from, from emotionalism and stay focused on logic. We have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And of course, like I always leave you with Sir Edmund Burke and Lord Acton and others, who said that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't continue to be active, talk to people, share the videos, share the podcast, get in touch with people. If you don't know how to say it, point them in the direction of somebody that does know how to say it. You like an episode of this, share it with them. If you like a video from Levin, do that. You like a video from Hannity or Mangino, share it, put it out there. Let people know what's going on with James O'Keefe. Push that stuff out there. Put your money where your mouth is. Send a check. Volunteer. Do what you can. You have to become more active. That's how we take America back. That's how we right the wrong. That's how we correct the direction of this big ship. And you turn the Titanic around and we make America great again. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. So hasta la próxima, America. I am Rich Valdez. And this is America. This is America. 